as the few times I've preached here, most of you know I'm not Roger. He's much taller, much better looking, much more younger, and all the, all that kind of stuff. Every once in a while, they ask me to preach, which I'm, I'm always studying, and I tell them no problem. But it, I just want to tell you, it is uh, as far as the elders are concerned, it's, it is always a pleasure to be here. And I know I'm a little different kind of preacher that can be good for some and bad for the others. And uh, really, I've gotten to where I don't have a problem with that either. I am who I am. But I will tell you, we're all who we are. But in Christ, we all come together to worship Him. And I am at in this weak, weak clay. The Bible calls us weak clay and vessels. But in the mystery of the way God fashion things in his perfect uh, the way he does things he did call men to preach his word and uh, I just want to pray this morning that uh, God allows me to do that in a way that honors him and I do care about all of you but since I'm not the pastor if I ever say anything that you don't agree with go to Roger guys can talk and he can talk to me uh, about anything you disagree with and but I, I will say to you that uh, the older I get the more I'm, I'm really God centered in all this that's why when you turn to the passage and yet most people don't carry a Bible no more because we put it up here on the screen the title of my message this morning is God has called us to a holy life and I don't think, here in this church, I know I sit here every Sunday and I love uh, the way Roger goes through and he, he does an exegesis of the scripture week after week after week. And that's the way you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to take what the Bible teaches and then tell others what it teaches. Not what it, it is for you, it's what the Bible teaches. And the Bible tells us over and over, if you put up 2 Timothy 1.19, and I'm going to read a few more verses. Um, he has saved us. Who has saved us? Jesus has saved us and called us to a holy life. I like this part. I hope you all do too. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's why so much of what you hear every Sunday goes back to the gospel because the gospel is the foundational work through which Christ brought us from death to life. Every single 
funeral I attend, I'm reminded of the fact of how important the message of the gospel is to this world and how much it saddens me that most are just not interested in hearing what the gospel in Christ has to say. It was no different when he walked the earth. You do know that. Not a lot of people listen to the truth. That Christ was truth incarnate and they wouldn't listen to him. So what makes you think they're going to listen to us? Well, I'll tell you why they listen to us. It's only and only because we put Christ first, we glorify him, and we preach the message of the gospel that is in him and him alone. So I wanted to talk, I, I actually wanted to get to a specific point, and it's going to take me a while, but I'm going to do it pretty quickly, I think. I know, that's funny. But I'm going to define holiness, because when it tells us, I, I, I got to thinking about this, to, to live a holy life, we have to remember God is still separate from us. So when God tells us to live a holy life, do not ever think you're going to live a holy life in perfection. God is the only perfect God. So I wanted to start out with a definition, and then we're going to look at God. We're going to look at what it means to us. Holiness, the noun. Holiness is a noun, person, place, or thing. And it, it is derived from the adjective holy. So when this verse says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. We have to know that's an adjective that describes what we as Christians should be living. The type of life we should be living. It describes it. So the adjective holy means to be set apart. A separateness or to be separated. And the verb of holiness or the verb of this adjective is a word sanctified. And I'm going to use it a lot. And probably most of you know what it means. Once you're saved, you're going to be saved. And then God is in the process of sanctifying you. Or sanctification means this. To make holy. So when the word of God says to live a holy life. God says I'm going to make you holy. But we do have a part in that. So definition-wise, we have the adjective holy and we have this, the verb sanctified, which is what we're going to talk about because that's what it means to live a holy life. But I want to first start with God because don't think for a second when he says live a holy life that we're going to be little gods. We are not little gods, nor will we never, ever be little gods. We will always be creations of God that can glorify an awesome God. And let me show, I, I, when, when the angels sing holy, holy, holy throughout Scripture, in Isaiah 6.3 and in Revelation, they sing it over and over. They're talking about a particular aspect of God we can never obtain to, which talks about He is so, when, it, when, when they say holy, holy, holy of God, he is so set apart from his creation. And that's everything we see. 
God, the God I talk about, the God I worship, created everything you see from nothing. He didn't need evolution. He didn't need anything. He spoke it into existence. Ex nihilo. That's what it means. And I'm so tired of watering down the God that I worship because He's like none other. He's uncreated. You know He is the only uncreated thing in the whole universe. And philosophically it kind of makes sense. People say, where'd this come from? Well, it came from here. This came from here. Where'd God come from? He's always been. And you say, I don't get that. Yeah, you're right. That's the God I worship. I don't fully understand Him. I can't fully understand Him. He's not only uncreated. He is eternal. He's always been. He's a triune God. You know, even in His triune unity, I don't get that. Do you guys fully get God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost? Well, I don't. But I know it to be true. There's one God in three persons. That's how we explain it. There's God the Father and there was God the Son that walked this very earth. And I want you to get that in your mind because God the Son was God before we were created. He created us and He willingly came to redeem us on the cross. That is an awesome truth that should set our emotions on fire. You know, when Roger talks about us as men being somewhat too settled when we worship, guys, I I know some of us just, it's just hard for us in, in a group of people to show our emotions. And I'm not going to get down on anybody for that. I, I really don't care where you're at in that, except for the thing. It, inside, whether, you, whether it's outside or not, or whether you're dancing around like I see Terry doing, she grabbed me the other day, that's not embarrassing. She loves worshiping the Lord. Actually, all three of you guys were. And uh, we're worshiping the Lord together. Whether it's that, inside, internally, the Word of God and the God we're talking about should set your emotions on fire. I don't care how you outwardly explain it. It, it, You know, do your outward whatever you want to do. But inwardly, if you know God emotionally, you should be excited about what God has done for you. You know, God's not only that. He's omniscient, meaning all-knowing. He's all... He's... Omnipresent, meaning He's fully present everywhere. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. Notice this. I just went through these different things in my study of God. He is perfectly righteous. I'm not talking a little bit. He's perfectly righteous. He's perfectly good. He's perfectly just. He's perfectly wise. He's perfectly faithful. He's perfectly compassionate. He's perfectly merciful. He's perfectly gracious. He's perfectly kind. He's perfectly loving. He's perfectly pure. We can never obtain that. That's why it's so important we know what the gospel means. We are never going to enter into the perfect righteousness of this holy, holy holy God on our righteousness. You can never work hard enough. You can never be good enough. Because even when the Bible says live a holy life, we cannot live like this. We could never enter into the presence 
of this God in our own righteousness? Never, no matter how good you are. Or I am, which I'm not very good. I'm just not. Every week I, I prove it to myself. I'm not getting down on myself. It's just a fact. I do the silliest things. I switched my internet this week. Any of you worked on IT stuff before? It is just unbelievably maddening. I've worked after about 12 hours, maybe longer, you'd have to ask my wife, of trying to get... I have my house going through my internet, and I can say, Alexa, turn on my bedroom light. Hopefully nothing's Alexa in here. <laughs> All the lights turn on or something. Like, boom. I'm like, ugh. And I, 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 but I... I, I worked on this, and I worked on this. I couldn't get all those little critters to work. And I was getting so frustrated, I took the router out, and I literally, I, I have this porch, and it's about not 10 foot off the ground, and I literally wanted to take it and smash it on the concrete. And you say, come on, can't you be, I, I, that's a part of me I've struggled with my whole life. When I get angry, it just sees in me. Well, you know what I did? I've, I've learned in 63 years, I put it down. I went and prayed a little bit. And I'm like, what in the world are you so mad about? You know, that's just one example. Come on, we all have examples. If you were up here, you could give. Maybe not Internet stuff, but it'd be something. If it's not Internet, it's your animals or maybe your kids or maybe... Oh, and I adored my kids, but when they turned teenagers, I'm like, what happened to my kid? I'm just not, oh, well, moving on from that really quickly. <laughs> Before I get to the Christian, I, I just want to tell you, we can just never be that way, but we can. In Christ, we have the ability to walk a holy life, as it says in Scripture. Before I close, I want, this is a short definition given by one of the catechisms, and if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a bunch of geniuses in, in the faith that get together, and they said about God's holiness, I think it's worth mentioning, God is uniquely and incomprehensibly, you know what that means? Inco we can't completely comprehend, but he is preeminent in every flawless facet of his eternal being. Every facet of his eternal being. And therefore, therefore he is worthy of whatsoever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of his creatures. That's easy for some of us because we live in America and so far we're pretty free to worship the God we want. But you people that are younger, in 20 years, if we keep going the way we are, you won't be. Already, if I had a large microphone, which I don't because I'm not very important in the big scheme of things, that's all right because God still loves me and he saved me. But if I had a big microphone, even what I was to tell you today so far, people would woke me away. You know what I mean by that? They would erase me. If they had the ability, they would put me in a concentration camp yesterday and not feed me and beat me and kill me for the things I'm going to tell you this morning. 
Now, we still live in the Bible Belt, but we're not the Bible Belt no more. A lot of people say they believe in God, and yes, they do, but even the demons do. I'm talking about the kind of belief that believes in God the Father and God the Son that came to the cross to die for our sins. And if he wouldn't have, we would have never been saved from our sins and we would be bound for hell. And you say, that's harsh. It's meant to be. Because if we don't repent in our country, which I don't think we will as a country, but even in our churches, if we don't repent, we're no longer salt and light in this world that is just, just decaying away. We live in a mad world. I don't have to tell you that. Not only do we live in an evil world, but a world that has lost its utter mind. But I'm I'm not saying that that we have no hope. We do. I just want people to know where to find that hope. So as Christians, when it says for us to live a holy life, it means holy means to be set apart. Now, I want to do the definition. We're not going to be holy like God's holy. But we can be set apart for God. You and me, if you're in Christ, we are in Christ. If you're in Christ... You are a true believer. You've been born again. You have been set apart for God. You have not been set apart for your own purpose or your own joy or your own partying. We have been set apart for none other but for God's purpose. That's why I say God is worthy of not only our worship but our service and obedience in whatever He requires of us, in different seasons. I, I Years ago, when I came to know the Lord, and He put me in work, the first ministry I could... Now, actually, I, 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 was, I did some associate pastor work in Texas. I, I did other things. God called me to some stuff. But my first real ministry was in this church when it was called First Baptist Church. And I remember when... Uh, Pastor White Shanks asked me if I would be willing to work with the youth, and I said, God, no. <laughs> and my wife, being the people person she is, said, yeah, we, we need to, because we had two youth, and I said, I just don't, I, I just, I'm not good around youth. I didn't want to do it, and I did, and I absolutely fell in love with everyone. Because God gave me the heart to love them. And I, I, I'm emotional now because some of them I see have walked away from the Lord. That's not me. That's them. I don't know where they're at in the Lord, but let me tell you, when God calls you to do something, He'll give you a heart for it, whether emotionally you want it or not. And He'll give you not only a love for Him, but a love for those He calls you to. Then he called me to be a pastor, which I knew I wouldn't be very good at. Because I, I, I emotionally, I'm really sensitive. I know I don't look, well, maybe I do look sensitive. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how other people see me. You know that? You, you ever, you see people from high school? Oh, you were this. I'm like, my God, I wouldn't like that. 
And then you hear somebody else, oh, you were this. I'm like, no, the, I had somebody the other day say, well, you were the best track runner we had. I said, no, I wasn't. You know, I remember I never went to state on my own. I went with three other people, and we didn't even place. I wasn't that good in track. I wasn't that good in football. I wasn't that good at really nothing. But some people thought I was. Maybe I fooled them on purpose. I don't know. But people don't have a, they just have different opinions of you. And you, So when I was called to be a pastor, I knew it would be tough because I knew you had to love people. And when you love people, they hurt you. And hey, I've hurt people. So I'm not just pointing a finger at other people that have hurt me. I've hurt people unwillingly, when we was going through a little shuffle in my own church and people were falling away and leaving the church because of things I could have stopped and I didn't, kind of learned that the hard way, but uh, people I loved dearly, I just let go and didn't say anything to them, shame on me. All I'm saying is no matter what God calls you to do, it's going to be tough, but I wouldn't change those 15 to 18 years, I don't even know how many years it was for anything. Went through much heart, heartache and, and much much joy. Baptized, uh, well, 230 people in one year, one year. I don't know how many of them are real believers. That's not my call. All I know is you present the gospel and they came and Hey, they wanted to be baptized, you baptize them. God does the sanctifying work. That's the thing I'm going to be talking about here really quickly, or we're going to be here till 12. Uh, <clears throat> but the sanctifying work is, is what God does in this. And what I want to tell you is, if you don't feel God doing this, God, here's the mystery in this. When you're a true believer, God says, I will set you apart for my purpose. I will sanctify you for my purpose, Preston. I will do that. But you and me have a part in that. Look at Ephesians. We've been studying it. How many times Paul said, you're his, do this. Quit doing this, start doing this. Quit doing this, start doing this. And, and so we have a part in it. We need to develop disciplines in our life to where we're saying, okay, Lord, I know you're doing a good work in me. Now help me to live in a way that helps you do that. Not that he really needs any help, but he does. He wants you. He, you have a part in this, just like salvation. I'm, I'm not a Calvinist, but I, I don't know how to reconcile these two things. I'm telling you, when you look at God's word, it says that God changes your heart. He takes in Ezekiel, it says, he takes your heart of stone, meaning the things of God. You, guys, let's, let's take something. We don't have nothing stone up here, but I got this podium. It's, I, I, can, I can hit it as much as I want, and it doesn't respond. Now, if I bring Glenn Powell up here and I hit him as much as I want, he would respond, and that would be bad for me because he's six foot ten and way bigger than me. So what God's Word's saying is He, God does this. He takes your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh, meaning a heart that can respond to Him. Do you know how blessed you are if you truly are a born-again believer this morning? And if you're not living for Him in a holy life, either one or two things, you're going to be miserable or you're not a believer.
He won't let you get by with it. I tried. When I left my last church, it's not. It's, people want, I can't believe our failures. We want to keep them hidden. I walked into an elders meeting one day. They said they wanted me gone. You know what? I left. You can say, well, what was behind that? That doesn't really matter. And I'm not blaming them. I'm not blaming anybody. Let's quit throwing blame. We do things that are wrong, even in, our, in, the, even in the body of Christ. We do. That doesn't matter. What matters is when we get through that stuff and that we continue to say, blew it there. Maybe they blew it there. Who cared? The point is, world, we still worship the same God. We still love the same Christ. Now, I wanted to pull away from it all, but for some reason in the sanctification process, he said, Preston, go back to church. I just came back to this one because I knew some people. And John was nice enough to be and, and No, John and Terry and, 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 and Michael and Jamie, Jamie, goodness grief. She does announcements. She's been one of my best friends. That's too, too many birthdays. You guys, no, come on. You young people, don't laugh. You ever reach 63, you're going to go, wow, I know what that old man meant. I mean, I'm telling you. It's, yeah, yeah, and you say I'm a spring. I don't feel very springy. <laughs> spring leaves real quick. But God tells us all over, he says, be holy because I am holy. That's in 1 Peter 1.16. I love this, 1 Peter 2.9. It says, talking to us as Christians, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Talking about us. Do you know positionally that's what you and me are? We're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Listen to this. I like this. Because I don't want to be a downer this whole sermon. I hope I haven't been. But it says in 1 Peter 2, 9, God's special possession. Now, I can look at the attributes of God which I gave you, and he is perfect in all those ways. But do you know this God that is imperfect in all those ways? He says in his word, and I believe it, that every one of us are his, how do you put it? special possession. Let me tell you something about Jesus. You think you love Him? He loves you infinitely more. Infinitely more. Even if you're not a believer. What He's yelling out to your heart through all kinds of circumstances, and if you're here today, what He's yelling out is, look at what I did on the cross for you. Even though times have been tough, and times can be very unfair. But even though, look at the cross and know that I love you and I'm calling you to myself. I'm calling you to be a part of this holy priesthood. I'm calling you to this. I'm calling you because you are special and I want you to be a special person within the body of Christ. So, God has called us to a holy life, to a sanctified life. And we already know, we've looked at it, sanctified means to make holy. God is making you and me holy. Don't be so hard on yourself that you, you get out of the, the ministry, whatever your ministry is completely. Because God 
you are special to him. You are special. And in different seasons, this is a tough season for me because now that I'm back in the word, I want to do God's work and I just, I'm, I'm just don't know really what that is. So I ask if I could teach a Sunday school class. A few people come, and if you don't, that's fine. But uh, even through that, I've had some real blessings. Uh, it's a real blessing to even sit with four and five people and talk about the Lord and see how He's working in their lives. It's been a real blessing. So thank you, Lord, for that. Most of us that are older, we just we, we get to where we feel more useless I was helping my father the other day. He's here, he's 87, he looks great for 87, still does things great for 87, but one of the things that I'm going to tell you, I, I'm not trying to be down, I think dad would tell you, my dad's always been the, he was a bricklayer, come on. With one hand, a bricklayer can take you by the nose and pick you up off the earth. I mean, they, they do, they have a forearm the size of like this, and they, they just, and I, I didn't fool when I was young, it's like, Ooh, my dad grabs me by the back of the neck. That used to be a thing we used to do, and we still should do. Uh, you know, grab him by the, you, you ever been grabbed by the short hairs? Ah, yeah, Grandma, you know, Grandma's pulling me. But Dad, you know, Dad was that kind of guy. I looked at him like that, and the other day I realized, you know what? Dad's 87, I think. Are you 87, Dad? Okay. He'll be 80. Okay, my Aunt Nancy says she knows. 88. <laughs> And uh, I, I told them, they don't have to come listen to me preach. So if you guys are saying, well, that Preston, he thinks so highly of himself. He always tells his family to come preach. Uh, no, I don't. They're just being supportive. But I went out to help him with something, and it was really, really hot. And I realized my dad's 87. And he can't do the things he used to do. Not that you can't do a lot, Dad. I'm not trying to talk. You guys know I adore my father. But you know what? It comes to times you just can't do things you used to be able to do. we got to realize when we get older, we get in times in our lives where I, Dad told me, he says, it's really hard for me because I can't do things I used to do. It is hard in this time of life. I got things easier because I'm retired, but it's really hard when you can't do things you used to be able to do, is it not? I mean, I got, I got what they call tremors and I can't even take a screw sometimes and put it in there. Uh, and I used to, I, I couldn't even write for two years, but now they gave me a drug and I can write again and I can type a little bit. What I'm trying to say is no matter what your age, and even if you think I, I'm just not very useful anymore, if you're here, you're still here for a reason. God can use you. You can help people. You can serve Christ. You can, or, or, however it is, you can still do things for Him. And He's still making you holy. He's still sanctifying you. So the work of God's grace, where the Christian is being made more and more in the likeness of Christ, that's called sanctification. In sanctification, we die more and more to the sin in our life and live more and more in righteousness. Now, let me use the word here, holy, for us. It's a good word, and sanctification means this also. It comes from the root. It means to be set apart. I've already mentioned that. But 
when you become a Christian, what God does is He starts separating you from your sin and to Himself. Separating, separating, bringing you to Himself. I was going to use when you trim a steak that's really fat, you trim the fat off, say that's sin. But I think a better analogy is when you're chopping up food to put it in a, a like a, a, you're cooking something, and say you're chopping up like 10 different kinds of vegetables. You ever seen these people, maybe some of you are those kind that you, you know, you're chopping and you're, I'd chop my finger off and I'd, I'd, I'd do that if I did that. But what God's doing is he's, he's chopping. And remember when you're chopping, you separate it. Chop a little more, you separate. Sanctification and being separate is what God's doing in our lives. He's chopping off these things that are bad for the sin and he's bringing us more to himself. Good illustration of sanctification. He's chopping that off. Here, here's, here's what I want you to know, and I'm, I'm not trying at all to dance around this, because I feel in today's society and our churches we need to know this. If you don't feel that happening in your life, you may not be a believer, and I would be very, very afraid. If you don't want to be sanctified, if you don't want to be holy, we live in an area of the country I've never done a, ser- a service yet in a funeral where everybody wasn't saying they, they, they're in a better place. You do know when Christ said, the gate's narrow and few will find the path that leads to the way. That, that doesn't mean everybody in Missouri is a believer. And I... I I'm getting to the age, I'm very, very, very sad when I see people that claim to be Christians, but there is no evidence of sanctification. And I understand that will look different in all of our lives. That will look different. I'm not saying that. But where it won't look different is God will be trimming away that sin in your life that's destroying you, and He will be pulling you closer to Himself. If that's not happening, all I'm saying is I'm praying that it will happen because that is an evidence of being a believer. So, I put this, and I think I put this up to put up on the screen. The process of being made holy, being set apart more and more for God, the sanctification process begins at, I'm going to go through these really quickly because notice, it begins at the moment of salvation at the moment of regeneration, at the moment of redemption, at the moment of reconciliation, at the moment of adoption, at the moment of justification. Those are all fancy theological words that most of you say, I don't care to learn. You really need to learn them because they mean things like this. The moment you're saved, you're delivered from sin and hell. The moment you're saved, you're reborn. Christ said the only way to get into heaven is to be reborn, to, ha- to be born again. The moment of redemption means that you were delivered from the bondage that Christ paid the price of a ransom, releasing Christians from bondage of sin and death. The moment of reconciliation means man is reconciled with God, brought into a state of favor with God. Adoption is self-explanatory. You're adopted into his family. The moment of justification means God our judge, and He isn't just our loving God, He is our judge, He's our creator, and He's our judge. But at the moment of justification, God says, I declare the believer to be righteous. Notice this, on the basis 
of their faith in Christ's finished work on the cross. Now that's, all, that's huge in this study because all those things has happened for you to be sanctified. If those things haven't happened, you'll go through life and you'll still end up in hell. Those things hap- The Word of God says all those things happen the moment you were born again. You say that's too much for just one sermon. You're right, it is. So we're going to move on. After salvation, even though a believer is all that we just mentioned, all those things I mentioned, they're being sanctified, they're continually being sanctified, being set apart, being made holy, until they are glorified at the death of this mortal body. No man... Now, I want to remind you, I'm not saying any of us will be perfect. No man is perfectly sanctified in this life. He still sins in this life, and he is more and more sanctified, uh, or in other words, set apart unto God. We already learned that. Remember when Roger went through 1 John, I outlined it? There's all these things in 1 John where it says you'll be like. So, and one of them was you need to admit you're a sinner. Even when we're believers, we're still sinners. We still struggle with it. I'm not talking about perfection here. I'm just talking about the fact that we want to be set apart. And we want to be holy. I'm moving on. I had some more scriptures because this is actually the point of my sermon right when I should be quitting. Roger's going to kill me. Because he's so good about stopping when he's supposed to. Really quickly. Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit as he continues to work out our sanctification which involves the believer's activity. We play a part in the ongoing sanctification process through baptism. I'm not going to explain how that works. Through the Lord's Supper, which we observe every single month. Through our work in the body of Christ, whatever that may be. Through prayer, which we're meeting just this Monday. We're going to pray. And through Scripture. The one I want to talk about is the one through Scripture. This is the one that... I've been studying and and really working on the last probably six months. We need to read, we need to meditate, and we need to apply Scripture in these three areas of the person. This will help us be sanctified. If you're not doing this, I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm saying you should be doing this because this is what will help you live a more holy life. And it's what you really want to do. Way down in your heart, you're a new believer. This is what you want to do. You want to read Scripture. You want to know what Scripture says. But you need to apply Scripture to three areas of your life. And I got these. We all know this. But the Puritans had a way of putting this that was great. They, we need to impl- apply Scripture to instruct our minds, direct our will, and to draw out the affections and emotions within us towards God. The Puritans put it this way. We need to apply Scripture to the faculty of reason, to the faculty of the will, and to the faculty of affections. Faculty means the special ability to do a particular thing. So they're saying the same thing I'm saying. I'm just trying to put it a little bit more simply. The Puritans actually, this is a quote from one of the Puritan pastors I read, that in evangelizing and discipling others. This is what we should be doing with one another. So as we evangelize each other and we disciple each other, it is wise to focus first on the mind, 
and what the mind should grasp. Second, on what we must decide. In other words, the things we should do. And third, on the affections, meaning the fruits of the Spirit, different things like that. So, I picked, and I don't know why I went here, but I want us to look at... So, we're supposed to... The passage of scriptures, all I'm going to do is read these. And I want you to apply these three things to these passages of scripture. Instruct the mind with them. See how it might direct your will, in other words, your decisions in life. And draw out the affections. Too many times in Christianity, we make Christian, Christianity not a thing of affections. When God says, I want you to love me, even though we can't do it perfectly... And I don't want to raise the hands, but how many of you love him? That is an emotion. We know what it's like, right? We know what it's like when you love somebody and they leave you. Or we love somebody and they leave this earth. We feel the void. Emotion is a good thing in Christianity. Actually, it is the thing we most are called to do. Not just make the right decision. Yes, you and me are to make the right decision. But the right decision should lead us to loving God more and more. So in these verses, I'm going to read them, and this is some powerful, basic doctrines. In John, the first chapter, starting in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with the God in, with God in the beginning. Do you know who that's talking about? you know that's talking about Jesus Christ? This is our Savior. In the beginning was the Word. He is the Word. He is the truth. He's all these things we talk about. He was... And in verse 3, listen to this. This is awesome. Through him all things were created. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Through Christ, God the Son, nothing would be made. Now, that should instruct our minds in this. When any other religion out there tells you that Jesus Christ is not God in the flesh, we should reject it. So our minds should reject that. And there's all kinds of cults. There's even people around here that goes to churches that believe the, the Bible is on the same level as the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon should be thrown in the trash and, and done away with. It is not the true Word of God. This is the true Word of God. Jesus was the incarnate Word and it's found right here and no place else. And you say, why do you get so passionate about that? Because people that I like and I love and I care for, believe that's on the same level, and that is absolute heresy. It is not. It's not at all. This Christ that we, that we worship, you have to remember, He created all things. And doesn't that move you not only to direct your will, but to go, wow, He created all things, but yet when He created us, He knew He would have to redeem us. Think about that. He knew he would have to redeem us. That doesn't move you emotionally. I don't care if you get up here and dance or do whatever you want. That's up to you. But right now in your heart, if that doesn't move you emotionally, be afraid. If you call yourself a Christian, be afraid. It should. Because the creator of the universe willingly died for you. And to reject that means that you will not be with Him in heaven. And yes, that's concerning. The 
the rest of this talk so much. I'm going to move on Colossians because I'm out of time because Colossians says it even more plainly. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Talking about the supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He created you and me for him, yet he died on the cross for you and me. And what a horrible death. You guys, you know, no matter what we go through, and I really, I'm around a lot of people when they're dying. And it, it's, it's not supposed to be pretty. For the wages of sin is death. Death is ugly. It destroys this mortal body. But that's the wages of sin. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. See, we, we, that, that makes me sad. I, I, I have a kind of a split personality. I can be sad, but yet I can rejoice and my affections can just flow upward and go, Thank you, Lord. You created me. He is before, listen here in 17. He is before all things. We are not, you know, this, this, these churches that preach, God just wants you to be happy. No, he wants you to come to him. Whatever it takes, he wants you to come to him. And yes, he, he, he does by his grace. He, he allows us to be happy in some things. Let me tell you something. You want to find good joy, no matter what the circumstances. You go to Christ. You repent and turn to him and say, I need to be saved from my sin. I, Lord God, save me from hell. Save me from your wrath. All those things we talk about. And, and, and I'm yours. You want to know what true joy is like? Know Jesus. I have more joy set in, in my time alone with God at times than I'll ever get from anything in this life. This is... That's what hard, what's hard for me now at 63. I could do anything I want. God has blessed me with a wonderful wife, with a wonderful home. I have all that I can eat, actually too much most time. I got all these things. I could do anything I want. I could get, I could buy me a camper and leave and go any place I want. And I just, I don't want to do all those things. I want to be with my wife and I want to go see things, but that's not my main goal. My main goal is I, I, want, I, I want to serve him however he asks. Don't, don't, don't you, whatever that means, you want to serve him. And, and I find great joy. I find greater joy in my time with the Lord now than I do really with anything else. That's the conflict. And I don't want, I don't want to, I, I, I don't like, the fact that one of these days is this body's dying, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be painful, it's going to be whatever. But I ask some of you that may be closer to, which none of us know for sure, right, when we're going to die, but some of us feel it more than others. What is the hope you have? The hope I have is that, guess what? Let, let me tell you something, young people and old alike. Nothing we have here will last. You will take nothing with you. That's why God says, count the cost. And when he says, count the cost, it's easy. 
nothing here. Don't live your life for anything here. What I'm giving you is eternal. And it's worth it. Even if you lose your life for me, Christ says, it's worth it because you're going to inherit eternity and a joyful bliss that's never ending. Do you realize that in heaven? It's never ending. It's not like it's just good for a little bit. Have you guys had something you wanted so bad and you achieve it and then it's like, oh man, now what? That's where the world leaves us. But not God. When you, when you come to Him for your joy and your, with your affections, it's not ending. It's never ending. So when we read this verses, it should have an effect on our decisions just a few more verses and then we'll quit. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. Notice supremacy. Christ has the supremacy. Does Christ have the supremacy in your life? If he doesn't now, just, just say, pray right now. God, help me. I want you to have the supremacy in my life. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God the Father was pleased that all God's fullness dwelled in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven. And how did he reconcile all those things? By making peace. In other words, we now, if you can't find anything else this morning to be thankful for, if you're a believer, you have peace with God now through his blood shed on the cross. Shall we go to him in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, once again I prepared too much. And please, oh, your word is just so wonderful. But I pray that your word might not only direct our minds and direct our will, but that it will draw out emotions in us for you, Lord. That we would go, I love you. And Lord, help me to love you more. Help me to walk more holy in a way that would glorify you, Lord. Because I love you. And may we find our joy and our happiness in you. And not in the things of this world, Lord. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. For shedding your blood for our sins. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.